Hey everybody, just starting out. I'm going to try and get Zigzag on the line now. What's up, man? What's going on? Oh, my light's gonna suck. Oh, I gotta turn my sound up. Got a few people joining us so far. Yeah. Yeah. Getting your light figured out? I got my light set up. I got my light set up. For my soul. Gonna kind of make the rest of the make the rest of the around. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Oh, I, so how, oh was, I, how was the day out in Maryland today, or did you go? I didn't work in Maryland today. Uh, I didn't work in Maryland today. Uh, why am I lagging so bad? Why am I lagging so bad? I don't know. Um, but no, um, I talked to no, David. No, I talked to David. The, ground was, the ground was too wet, wet down there. You guys are, you guys are echoing. Am I echoing or is it zigzag? It's definitely me. It's definitely me. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> That's horrible. Even you can re-invite me. You can re-invite me to join. What's that? I said, can I, I said, leave? can I leave? And then you re-invite re me. Re yeah, go ahead and leave, and I'll do that. All right. Is that any better? I hope. I hope so too. It was all it was all good the last time we did it. Yeah. Is it good? I don't think you're echoing, but I'm not one of the viewers, so we'll have to see. All right. Cool. So, one of the things that I wanted to talk about first was uh, the fact that now we have our own podcast. Yeah, so, dude. Pick. Yeah, so I figured out how to download all the audio and strip it out and uh, put it online. So now we've got got the podcast. So when we're talking, we're going to have to remember to, you know, talk about stuff that people can't see. Yeah, that sounds good, man. Um, I'm gonna I gotta do better for the people who can see and try to get some kind of a tripod going in here or something. Yeah. There's a couple of decent ones on Amazon. I bought one for Gary for his videos for like 15 bucks and it works out really well. I'll yeah, I need to get one anyway for my son, one of those pocket radars for like exit velocity and stuff. Oh yeah. So it would double as a podcast tripod. Nice. Yeah, that'd be rad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Looks like we've got quite a few people joining us, 16 nice. other people online. So this right. should be good for a for a Thursday, so yeah, I've got our our list of questions that that I'll bring up and kind of run things from there. Um, just for everybody that's joining us, Gary couldn't make it tonight. He uh, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to 
put it is his uh, wife's birthday today. So he decided to hang loose at home with her. Well, cool, man. Um, so what's uh, what's up first? Square grinding. Square All right, this, grinding. Is, this, your, this is your question. Yeah. What is, what is the difference between a triangle file and a double beveled file? All right, let me move. Let me move my light around here. I'm out here in my shed, so I'll work with. Uh, I'll even show you guys what I got here. It's a Ryobi because that's just what made the most sense. But I can run it off a battery or uh, power sure. or whichever I choose. Um, so anyway, I'll show you guys here. If this, I don't know if you can kind of see. See how it's like a triangle on the edge? Yeah. So this is a double beveled file. Um, the triangle file is a, a triangle. triangle. Yeah. As you can see. So for me, the biggest difference in usability is that the triangle file is way easier to get angles right. So if you take sure. the flat side of one of those triangles and lay it against your drive links, turn it to about 45 degrees back and 45 degrees up, get that right in the corner, and you pretty much got your angle right. Um that looks about right to you so yeah um it's the main advantage is that it's way way easier to get your angles right the biggest disadvantage is just in the quality of sharpening don't get me wrong this makes it really sharp um and i'll sharpen down like that but what happens is because because the edges are so thin yeah it creates a really, really small shelf in here. Um, what I mean by the shelf is that flat side yep. of this. It actually, you almost have like what they call like a little bit of a beak of the mm -hmm. top plate. And from what I understand, that actually gets dull a little faster. Um, I don't know by how much, but it gets dull a little faster. Um, now, the double bevel file, which is what I actually sharpened this chain with, it's a lot See. You can see how the way it is. So I actually mm -hmm. have to get that top plate right in there like that. And uh, and then I'll start sharpening across. Now, because this leading edge here is way thicker in radius, not mm -hmm. radius, width, it creates a way bigger shelf like that of the side plate. Got it. And it gives you more of what you're going to see in like a Buck and Billy Ray video. Yeah, because he that's what he uses is double bevel file. And it also kind of gives you more of a look of what you're going to see in uh, from a chain grinder itself. Um, I think it cuts faster. It definitely is harder to get your angle right because you no longer have that bottom edge of the triangle to rely on. You have to pretty much sure. get it right yourself. So yeah, it's a real freehand. Yeah. So I'm going to I mean, I kind of get it just like that in there and i'm coming across like that and you can see how that flat plate sits right into that side plate yeah and that's the that's the main difference um price difference there is none they're both expensive like they're really hard to get right now so you're going to spend about 15 to 20 dollars per file 
Sure. Get one of these. I think the double bevel does seem to get it sharper. I used this all day today, and I was thinking I needed to touch it up, and it was still cutting at the end of the day. And I was cutting dirty wood all day. Um. So yeah, that's. I, I hope that if that if if anybody wants to comment, if I didn't answer your question appropriately, I know I'm kind of rambling on. Keep in mind, square filing is something that is kind of new to me as well. Um, for those of you who are not able to see the video, basically what I'm talking about, um, double bevel file, you can look that up on eBay or Google or anything like that, and they'll be able to show you exactly what I'm talking about. And the triangle file, there are two different ways of doing the same exact sharpening. Is there a specific size for the double bevel file? No. Um, and the same with the triangle file. It's one size fits all. You would use the same file that I'm using on my 462, which is 3 eighths. Three-eighth pitch, uh, 063 gauges, full-size chain. Um, I would use the same file on a 404 or on my 201T, which is three-eighth low pro. Um, I think it would probably not fit a quarter-pitch chain, but let's yeah. be honest, like, you're not, you're not going to square file one of those anyway. Um, I don't even know that you could possibly get it accurate. Yeah, it, so the smaller the chain – this is just something that I've noticed. The smaller the chain, the more extreme your top plate angle is actually going to end up being. Yeah. Um, for this bigger chain, I've got 15 to 20 degrees. That's probably about 20 degrees there of my top plate angle. When you yeah. do the same to get it right, like, and you'll see if you, once you start getting into it, there's only one way it's going to be right when you set that file in there. Um, to do a smaller chain, like when I did my Echo 501, is uh, this ends up being like more like 10 degrees which is like really extreme cuts like crazy um but yeah and then if i did it on my 201 i think it's almost even flat so yeah nice that's, but yeah that, that, that's a big difference between sizes of chain yeah um so like i said i mean and the biggest difference for me i think is just being able to get the angle right and also fit it in between the raker. Yeah. So um, once I when I have the angle right on this, I have sufficient space. But I, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine on a much smaller chain, that space gets even tighter. Um, where sure. do I get my files? Well, the round files you can get from just send it soles, and I think square files are probably in the works. I'm sure, but um, yep. they're, they're really really hard to get right now. So get them where you can. I got mine on eBay from nobody in particular. I just searched double bevel file for square chain on eBay, and it came up with these are FERD, P-P-F-E-R-D. Um, yep. And now, like I said, I'm new to this, guys. So anybody who's, like, saying, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You're right. I probably don't. But I've been practicing a lot at it. Um and I think I'm getting pretty good at it. And I'll tell you what, I mean, these chains really, really cut fast. So it's, nice. I'm not square file and I'm doing something that you guys probably want to try. Absolutely. And I am going to be getting a Semington. So oh. I'll have, I'll have yes. a Semington this summer, probably, probably by June. You and so, me both, dude. I need to get a Semington as well. Are you going to be a dealer for them? I'm, that's what we're talking about right now. 
Dude, I will be your first customer. Nice. I, I need a Simington, one of those stand-up grinders. They're sick. These are great grinders, too. And I'll probably never get away from them to the Tecumec grinders. But, um, yeah, man, the square filing is, is pretty sick. So are these. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am going to start grinding, and I'll have a mail-in service. So that ought to be a lot of fun. Sick. Talk a little bit about that. Tell me about the mail-in service. Well, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how we're going to price it yet, but I kind of want to do like a monthly um, membership fee. You know, send me up to so many chains and just pay per month instead of paying per chain. Oh, that's sick. So what, like send in three, get three back, something like that? Pretty much. You just tell me when you're going to send them and I'll send back what you what you need. That's you pretty know, and just just charge it on a monthly basis rather than trying to charge per chain and keep track of all that. Cause that's, you know, say I've got 30 customers and everybody's sending a different amount. And then you're trying to keep track of whose chain is whose. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, and I talked to my son who's 10 and he wants to start grinding. So that ought to be a lot of fun yeah. for him. Put him to freaking work. That's right. I'm sorry, I'm all over the map. This light's not not cooperating. I tested it before we got on here, and it was working fine, but for whatever reason... This right. Just makes you mysterious. So what, what does that mean? Love tagging alone, man, keep it up. What does that mean? I don't know, but thank you. We'll keep it up. Yeah, Where did I get my files at? I talked about that. Um, what else? Yeah. Specific size for double bevel. We talked about that. Thumbs yeah. up. Thank you. More thumbs up. Thank you. Tree man. Echo gone. What does that mean? Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. We fixed the echo way better now. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Sweet. All right. Well, if anybody's got any questions for us pertaining to any topic, go ahead and post them into the comments and we'll try and we'll try and hit those topics as well. I've got a list of stuff that we can talk about and we'll, we'll go over that. But like I said, if people have specific questions that they want us to talk about, just put it in the comments. We'll, we'll try and try and get to everybody's questions if we can. So the one thing I wanted to talk about was supporting and yeah. we don't have Gary with us to talk about the technical terminology, but, I get a lot of questions from people about what the hell is it? Right? Like, yeah, people don't know what you're actually doing when you pour a saw. So I've got a cylinder right here. Here's our cylinder. What's that for? This is, I think this is a meteor 54 millimeter. So it's a uh, 660. Nice. Yeah. Meteor is high quality. They're yeah. high quality cylinders. Yeah. Um they're they're good ones. This one right here is a big bore, I believe, so it might be a fifty-six. And so there's a problem with them. I don't know if you can see inside of this thing, but at the bottom of the exhaust port right there, you can see a little bit of a of daylight. And what that problem is is called free porting. So what it means is that when this is all the way up at, at the top of your comp your compression stroke, you're actually letting fuel from your charge 
out of the bottom of the out of the bottom so this uh if we installed this cylinder it wouldn't run very well it wouldn't idle well at all and it'd use up a bunch of gas so we stopped using these all together but basically what you're doing when you're porting is that you're going to take the time right you have like a uh, on your flywheel you put a, a 360 degree wheel and you actually take the timing of when this thing clears the bottom of the exhaust port and the top and then you also flip that around you also take the timing of when it's in the intake right so when that clears and you've got your duration or the time in between and now i'm not like super knowledgeable about porting but i understand it enough to know that what gary's going to do he's going to take the inside of this cylinder and he's you see that band around the top there yeah that's the squish band so that's where compression takes place right and there's going to be a gap between the top of your piston and that squish band what we do is we actually grind that squish band down and that increases our squish. So it makes it bigger. So that's a bad thing because that decreases compression. But what it does is it changes the timing of when that piston hits those ports, right? Yeah. Okay, so now we're gonna take and we're gonna grind off the bottom of this base. And so we can change, again, we can change the port timing. Makes sense. So so that's how Gary is actually able to change the timing of those ports. And you get more power by doing different things with that cylinder and moving them around. And then what you also do is you port match. So you can, you can take your intake here and you can actually grind on the inside of it to make sure that this is a bigger intake. Sorry, bigger exhaust. I'm at the exhaust side so that you get more gases flowing back out faster and grind out your intake side to get more air flowing in. More air, more fuel, more power. And then on the inside, you've got your transfers down in here. And so Gary will grind out channels to those transfers to increase the amount of fuel that comes in, fuel and air, both. Yeah. So that's basically what you're doing is you're changing the timing around of how that piston interacts with with the cylinder and I see grinding the base yep it's synonymous with decking but what happens is, is if you if you just deck it so you just take off the bottom and you don't take anything off of the top you actually reduce the, the length of your stroke and the length of that stroke is where you get your torque from so that's one thing that Gary keeps a real mind on is making sure that he's gonna that he's gonna have a full stroke and so he keeps yeah. his torque nice yeah one of the five oh one's a torquey little sob so oh yeah it is and gary did a ton of machine work on that saw and you may see a cattail come through here my cat is trying to <coughs> is trying to walk back and forth through here so the other thing that we want to talk about is people often ask me with these cylinders how many cc's are they going to have 
when they get when we get done porting. So cc is cubic centimeters, right? So it's the measure of the volume of this cylinder. So real, real quick, Lucas. Yeah. Uh, Di says, if I'm understanding correctly, you're shortening the distance the piston has to travel, but also opening up the ports for more gas and pressure to build for a bigger explosion and more power. That's correct. All right. Bam. Yep. So when you, when you port, you don't materially change the size of, of the displacement of the cylinder. So you're not increasing the cc's. Now, yeah, not a big bore kit. It's not a big bore kit. A big bore kit will take and will actually increase the size of this opening here. So on a 54 millimeter cylinder, which is the standard steel 660, you go to 56. But the problem is, is that they have to they have to take that out of some place, and because they change that, just the physics of it. You're, you're changing the port timing when they do that. And so one thing that, that like this company, which I think this is actually a highway now that I think about it, the, the problem is, is that they, they changed the height of the exhaust port on this, right? And because they wanted to get rid of that free port issue. And so that actually messes with the timing and oh. is counterintuitive for what a guy like Gary is going to do with it. So that's why we don't, actually use the big bore cylinders so is there a correlation between getting the optimal stroke while getting good squish for compression absolutely 100 percent. from what i understand from gary that keeping your your stroke a full length stroke and keeping a good squish number gives you more power gives you more torque all right cool man oh i mean are there any other questions on there that you yeah, saw? Yeah, a couple back here. Um, D, I'm going to say this really dumbly, so please bear with me. D, sure. Choleric is the guy's name, but he says he's tied between a 572 and a 462 right now. Price of a 462 is quite a bit more. Um, 462 is a better saw, in my opinion. Throw a bark box on there, and it's going to cut faster than the 572. It's lighter. Um Hey, Lucas, why are yeah. grinders cheaper than Oregon? I have an Oregon 520. I mean, I know why, but you tell them. They're, they're no advertising. I mean, that's one thing. That's why store-branded items are cheaper. Yeah. And they, you're, and they, you're not paying for the name. They cut out the middleman. Like, that's like me buying saws from you and then selling them for a little bit more money. Oregon literally exactly. grinders and then – sells them they gotta make money somehow right yep um yeah over so, i mean advanced i saw that weston cornell had a question go ahead um weston wanted to talk about how you actually change the port timing so imagine that you're looking at the time of when this piston opens and closes the port when you reduce the bottom here, right? When you take off the bottom, that's gonna push the cylinder down on the saw. So that means that you're gonna have a different timing on the crank stroke of when that hits each one of the, when it opens and when it closes. 
Also, what you can do is you can grind out on the insides of these, right? You can grind out the lip in here and move that, move that port down a little bit because it'll be lower. At least that's yeah. my understanding of it. I'm not, again, I'm not, not the expert, but this is my layman's way of explaining it. Me, I'm learning a lot. Listening. So, so tree three PO says my MS two hundred won't stop leaking. Where's it? Where's it leaking? Like in your backyard? Sounds like you need to get one of the two hundreds. Just yeah. <laughs> if it's air leaking on the two hundred Ts, they're notorious for the intake boots. Um they get pinhole leaks and the reason is, is that you when you're you're cutting and stuff and you're maneuvering it and you're in the wood you know you're you're really jamming on it right and that compression back and forth is what actually tears those intake boots and they're notorious for the uh, crank seals leaking too so it could be an intake boot or it could be a crank boot or a crank seal I've even seen them leak from that seal on the front of the saw. They yeah. kind of like where you would split the case at. They start leaking oil and stuff out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Case case seals also leak, and that's never a fun thing to have to deal with because you have to take the whole saw apart to fix that. <laughs> and I've I've even seen it where the 200Ts have been used so much that the case actually wears a hole in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing you can do but find another case. And honestly, it's going to sound crazy, but the Chinese cases are decent quality. We oh. use in a lot of our in a lot of our saws, a lot of our custom built saws, and they work fantastic. Nice. So, you know, if it's the choice between my 200T running and not running, and having to pay $400 for a case someplace, just just go with the Chinese version. It's not bad. Good to know, man. Yeah, I mean, Chinese make a lot of stuff anyway. Like, a lot more than people well, realize. I mean, half of the steel and o OEM and Husqvarna OEM parts are made in China. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, it's like, it's really the same. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the farmer tech stuff that I deal with, I've been told from a several people at FarmerTech that they're actually buying materials, you know, buying parts from the same places that steel is. Makes sense. They're making stuff on the same manufacturing line. Whether or not that's true, I can't verify that fact, but that's that's what they tell me. And we see a lot of witness marks and a lot of other things that lead us to believe that they're probably telling the truth. Yeah, good to know, man. Yeah. So one of the questions that I get asked a lot is what's the difference between torque and what's and horsepower. And that's a tough one to answer. I, I have a hard time struggling with it other than horsepower is the measure of how much work or power it puts out. And torque is a measure of the, is it like the difference in I'm not sure. I mean, all I know is that torque, torque is going to be what keeps the saw moving through wood. Yeah, in the lower RPMs. I mean, if anybody's like a motorcycle fan, 
Harleys are all torque and Jicks yeah. are all horsepower. Yep. You know, like, oh, I mean, torque, torque is your diesel's your diesel truck getting a 15,000 pound load moving and horsepower is my gas truck blowing you away on the highway empty. So it's the definition of torque is in physics and mechanics, torque is the rotational equivalent of linear force. It is referred to as the moment of force, rotational force or turning effect, depending on the field of study. So torque is going to be the measure of how much the engine can turn itself and twist. So in layman's terms, maybe an 880, like sounding like it's not revving that high, but tearing through a big log with a 60-inch bar on it is yeah. torque. It's torque. Horsepower is going to be my 462 pushing like, I don't even know how many RPMs, like 14, probably 15,000 RPMs. But as soon as it starts to bog down, then it doesn't do well. My 462 does great bog down, but I think people kind of you know, understand what we're getting at. That's something that a lot of people had problems with with the new steel saws, though, is that steel went away from their old torquey, um, torquey saws that were a little bit lower geared, so to speak. They had um, lower RPMs and could really dig in once you once you once you spiked into the dog in yeah dog, dog once you dogged in on it and your saw really starts cutting nice that's torque exactly yeah but if all your right. saw sucks in that regard then you're probably just dealing with all horsepower bz arbor care yeah that's correct that's what he that i think that was pretty much pretty close to what lucas read for the definition but yeah yeah. That's a good way to put it. I should have prepared better for that question, but I didn't. Farm so. meme says I can beat you in my seven three. Uh I don't care. <laughs> 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 to be honest, you can you can have my Hemi for all I care. That thing is freaking tired. So what happened the last week when your truck was broken down? What was wrong with it? Uh the fuel pump and it's an in tank. It was an in, it's an in tank pump. And I just filled it, so it was like 26 gallons of fuel they had to deal with. So, uh, par for the course. Literally, every time my truck goes to the shop, it's a thousand dollars or more. And yeah, there it was. It's like 11, well, 11 hundo, I think. That's kind of par for the course. Every time a 200T goes into a shop, it's 300 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, waiting, Pace, not patiently. I was going to say patiently, but if my wife's watching, it's not patiently. Um, I'm just waiting for the end of this year. My truck's going to be just about paid off and yeah, it's time for an upgrade. Yeah. So when you're, when you're as a climber, as a contract climber, are you going to buy a vehicle based on, on your needs as a climber then? Uh, does anything come differently on the truck that you look for? You know, like my 1500 right now, I have the Ram boxes if anybody's ever seen those on the bed rails, that's yeah. nice because I can uh, I can put my 201 and my 2511 will both fit in there and I can lock it, which is sweet. It's waterproof. Nice. Um, right now, uh, as a 1500, I got the biggest cab they offer in the 1500, which is like the whatever they call it. It's not the mega cab, but it's one step below that. Sure. Um, 
and I'm full up, man. Like my back seat is full with gear. My entire bed is full with gear. I got like a locking bed cover on there. Um, so my next truck, I I don't want to decrease my cab space at all, but I would like to have a bigger bed. So yeah, I'm looking at a newer Dodge 2500. Um, I'm going to stick with the big crew cab. I don't want the mega cab because I don't want to give up any bed space. Sure. I would like to keep the Ram boxes, but I want like the eight foot bed. Yeah, I get a full bed. Cummins Power Stroke. He's just naming diesels. Um, Dirt Max. Yeah, you know, like my dream truck is a Sierra Denali HD, like at least the 2500, but you know. You don't have 75,000? Yeah, dude, I found one the other day with like 50,000 miles on it. They still wanted like 58 grand for it. So that's um, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got a 2004 F250, you know. Not bad, though. Is this a diesel? No, no, it's it's a V10. It, oh, uh, a V10. It, yeah, it sucks down gas like it's a career. Yeah, I bet, dude. Yeah, I mean, my Hemi does pretty good on gas because the cylinder is shut down on the highway, but at yeah. the time, that causes all sorts of stupid problems. I got yeah. 95 ported and polished from the Amish next to me for 350 bucks. How good was that price? Uh, that's pretty much par, I would think. But, yeah. um, I mean, I, I would imagine just from what I've learned from talking to Lucas and Gary, send it to somebody like Gary to get it ported. Cause like anybody can get in there with a Dremel and just start opening stuff up. But like all that stuff that Lucas was just talking about, not everybody's going to do something like that. They're not going to keep torque in mind. They're just, you know, grinding. Yeah, that's, you know, you got to go into it with a plan every single time. Yeah. Somebody said, man, he, he missed Detroit. You know, you're talking to somebody who drove, I like, well, once upon a time, like four or so, five years ago, I drove tractor trailers. <laughs> I, I don't miss Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah, you man. don't want to be hauling chickens again? Yeah, hit the hill at 80, don't matter how fast you're going when you hit the hill, you're going 20 at the top. That's right. I'm a I'm a cat. If we're talking big trucks, I'm all about cat. See things, yeah. man. Torque. All right. That's torque. So, next topic, um, I wanted to talk about real quick, like, what tools do you, if you're going to work on chainsaws, what tools should you have at your disposal? How... So, in depth are you working on a chainsaw? Number one, a T27 Torx bit T-handle. Yeah, bam. I got one of them. This is like steel, echo. It's got to have one of these. Everything. That's how you take the covers off and all the... Second, scrunch. Ooh. Just a nice scrunch. <laughs> You're, you're screwed. You can take off most half of the stuff on a chainsaw with a scrunch and a T27, probably more than half. And if you're like me and you have Husqvarna steel and Echo, make sure you get the scrunch that fits it all. Yeah, definitely. You want 19 millimeter, I believe, on one end and 13 on the other. And the next thing is you want a four millimeter T handle. That's going to be your Husqvarna, right? 
and an eight millimeter driver, T-handle driver, or just driver bit. That's, need to have that. Needle nose pliers. <laughs> Gotta have the needle nose pliers. And I like to have a smaller flat screwdriver for taking off the E-clips. And that is pretty much everything that you need to work on a chainsaw right away. I mean, if you have those six tools, you can pretty much do most everything on a chainsaw. Now we're talking most everything. We're talking basic stuff like changing sprockets, spark yes. plugs, yep. lines, yep. dusting the carb, little stuff like that. Exactly. Now, if you want to split a case, you're going to have to get bigger stuff. Let me see if I've got a case splitter handy. If I if I want to split a case, I'm dropping it out of the tree for sending it to you. <laughs> I can. <laughs> this is what a case splitter looks like. You're gonna take and open this bad boy up all the way. And this thing then fits down into the, this part goes down into the, uh, into the crankcase and goes down over the saw. And then you actually push this in and it pulls that case clear apart. That's a case splitter, but you don't need to have those because most people don't want to actually split their own cases. Yeah, I don't. But, oh, the other thing is if you're going to take a piston apart, you need a little pick. Because getting the circlips out, the little circle clips out of the uh, wrist pin, not fun. Those aren't fun to pull out. That's why we have Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Gary does it with his eyes closed. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not into all that, man. I change spark plugs, sharpen chains, clean the air filter, change basic stuff. That's about the extent of my maintenance. Yeah, one of, the, one of the best things that you can do for chainsaw maintenance is just cleaning your saw. Yeah, clean, I mean, the, simple. clean the boiler, clean the air if filter. It's a, if it's a steel, take your T27 Torx head and pull off the plastic covers in underneath the clutch cover and blow out inside of there behind the springs for the for the brake yeah right i mean it's simple it's simple stuff take your top covers off blow it out you know honestly i power wash my saws yeah, you talked about that before yeah i take the covers off i make sure to make sure to plug up the uh the carburetor and the muffler and just power wash the crap out of them Nice. Blow them out, then start them up and let, let that thing warm up, heat all the, the water off of it, and then set it on its face and let it sit there and drip overnight. You know, I actually use a uh, 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 foam cannon to do that with my pressure washer. Foam it all up, let it sit for like seven to ten minutes. Yeah, nice, dude. 
I don't do all that. Um, for me, I, I have an air compressor. Um, I, I don't spend like more than 10 or 12 minutes blowing my saws out. I clean the air filters, blow them from the inside out. Yep. Um, clean out the bar groove, file the bars if need be. Although not to like push on the Sumara bars or anything, but you don't really need to file them too much. Uh, that hard no. doesn't really wear. No, so, they're, they're, they're nice and hard. Yeah. So I, did, I did have to work on one the other day because my, uh, one of my employees was using a, using a saw and evidently the oiler stopped working on it. Oh, I burned it up. right away and it just started burning one of the edges. So I had to work on that pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. Three pros. I'll let you guys do the building right yeah. on. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, man. Me too. The, the biggest thing though, with fixing your saw is just to take pictures as you take it apart. That way, you know how to put it back together, or at least you can see what the, the picture looks like, you know, um, especially if you're trying to fix a plastic clamshell saw. Oh, Lord, did those engineers create a complicated mess with like the MS 290. I mean, you got to take one of the bar studs out just to get the just to get the, the cylinder off of the saw. I mean, it's just. Yeah. You know, some of the homeowner saws just aren't aren't the easiest to work on. No, that's a big difference between pro pro and homeowner saws. Just right there, on a, on most homeowner saws, you can't even just change the sprocket. You got to pull like the whole clutch out. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it's a spur sprocket. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that somebody wanted to talk about was carb tuning. Let me see if I've got a carb sitting around here and I'll actually talk about that a little bit. I'll be right back. All right, bye. I'm still here just trying to find a carb. Well, yeah. I'm saying I try to learn everything, but my specialty is tree killing. Tree man, I am right there with you, dude. I don't even try to learn everything. So you're doing better than me. I learned what I need to learn. And uh, yeah. So here we have a carb, right? This is actually, I believe, this is off of a 361 maybe. No, it doesn't have the top piece. I'm not sure which one this is off of, to tell you the truth. So when you're tuning a carb, right? You got three different places where you can tune the carb. You've got your, let me see how this goes. So you've got your idle screw, right? So that's gonna change when you, when you turn that, that's gonna impact the throttle body, which is right here. And that is going to go forward or backwards to open up and bring in more fuel. So right? that's basically just adjusting how much fuel is being pumped when you're yep. not doing anything. Yeah. Think it's of it like, um, think of it like uh, setting your cruise control, right? This is, this is just setting 
the number or the amount of RPMs that that saw is going to run at idle, right? Yeah. You've got your low screw, and your low screw is going to be the screw closest to the cylinder. Yeah, see, Caloric, we'll get we'll we'll talk about timing advances on the two hundred ones. I'll come back to that. So you've got your low side and you've got your high side. The low side is always the one closest to the cylinder, and that that is basically the amount of fuel that is dumped into the carb at idle and when the trigger is just barely depressed, right? So that's changing the amount of fuel that's coming in from up top in that cylinder, up top in that carburetor. So what you wanna do is you wanna turn that low side, you wanna open it, I'm sorry, you wanna close it. So you wanna turn it in until the, until the saw starts to gurgle a little bit and starts to die. So you basically are getting to the highest RPMs and then you turn it back out about a quarter of a turn. And that should put your low side right to where you want it at for the saw. The high side is gonna be the screw furthest away from the cylinder. And that's gonna be what determines the RPMs when your float or when your butterfly is completely wide open. Yep. When you're full, full throttle. Yep, so this is this is the choke right here. And here's your here's your throttle mechanism. Sorry, I had it backwards. This is your this is your throttle arm right here. Open up. So if when you pull when you pull your throttle and your saw sounds like it's about to explode because it's spinning so fast. Yes. You need to open that high jet up a little bit. <laughs> Get a little yep. more in there yep running away from you the That's best thing that you can do is to own attack <laughs> yeah i mean honestly know what the know what the rpms are for your saw and especially if you have your saw ported right because what happens is when we port a saw we can only tune it at the altitude that we're at so if we're at say gary's at 700 feet and he's going to send that to somebody in Colorado that is cut, cutting it 7,000 feet. There's going to be a huge atmospheric change or difference in how that saw performs because the air is thinner up there, right? So what Gary will do is he'll tack out or he'll, he'll tune that saw with his ear to right where he needs it to be. And then he'll measure it on the tack. And let's say that it's a 361 and he knows that at 14,500 RPMs, it's perfectly tuned. Well, he can send that saw back to that person at 7,000 feet and say, hey, take your tack, change your high end, close that high end or open that high end up until you get to 14,500 and, and that'll be good on that saw but that it changes from saw to saw and it changes from location to location based on your elevation and based on the temperature. With older modified saws, do you have to remove the high and low limiters? Yes. So what happens is, is you have a little red cap that goes over these screws and that limits the screw to how far it can be opened up in and out. That's so, so what we do is that's so that you can't 
lean your saw out too much when you buy it from the factory. That's yeah, the idea. Exactly. Yep. It's the it's the basically the EPA guidelines and for pollution control that they don't want you burning more fuel. And also because the company doesn't want you to lean it out and destroy your destroy your your carb or sorry, your top end of your saw and them have to replace it. So but when you guys port the saws to allow way more airflow, yeah, it's well beyond what the factory ever intended. So that's why the limiters then need to come out. So Absolutely. They need to come out every time. And lose to dump more fuel for the saw to be able to keep up with all that air. Exactly. And what we're going to do then is we're going to actually take the limiters out on a lot of these saws, these these screws are tiny, right? And especially on Husqvarna saws and Echo saws, the screws are half the size of what these are. And so what we'll do is we'll actually take and drill out the bottom side of the limiter so it doesn't limit anymore, but we'll put the limiter back in on the top so that when you go to tune the saw, you actually have a place for your screwdriver to come in and sit and that you don't miss that small little screw. So if you if you get a saw back from us and you see that the limiters are still in it, odds are that we took those limiters and we ground out the inside of them with a with a drill bit and they're just there for tuning purposes. Okay. All right. What do we got next? So timing advance on 201s. So what happens is, let me see if I've got a saw here that I can pull apart real quick. Um, while we're talking, I'll come back to that subject. I'll pull this apart and we can talk about the flywheel. Are any other questions on there that we should address while I'm pulling yeah, this I, re apart? I replaced carb and fuel line on a Husqvarna 41, but I believe it's still starving. Idea on where to look next. Starving for what? Starving for fuel? I would intake boot would probably be the first place that I would look. That's um, if it's starving for fuel. Is it starving for fuel or is it is it is it getting too much fuel? Because they can they can both. They can both seem the same. Yeah, he says it's starving. Cannot get it to run long enough to tune it. Um, so it, it's not getting any fuel. So it could actually be that it's getting too much, just getting too much air, and that there's an air leak, and that's why you can't have it. Intake Black blew your freaking head gasket. Exactly. Black shit was coming out of my exhaust from doing it, and I only filed a hair. Yeah, that's that's the problem is that the hair that you take it off is measured in thousands. And so, you know, if you take off 20 thousands, which is a hair, a hair, <laughs> you could be going too far, you know, because 20 thousands could be like six degrees on the exhaust.
All right. So here is the inside of this saw. This is a John Cutter G5800. I don't know if you can see, but right up here is your is your coil. And the coil is going to ha it has a magnet on it and as that as that saw turns around, right? As the the flywheel turns around, it's going to run past that magnet and it creates your spark. But what happens is this this flywheel has to be set on at a certain location so that during that compression stroke, right, that you're getting it to fire when it's at the top of the stroke, when compression is taking place. If you don't and it fires early, you're going to get almost like a backfire. And so that's why a lot of times they'll run badly if you, if you take them too high or too much off. That makes sense. That makes sense. I and it's all it's, you got to think of it like a clock. That as this turns around and that your your piston is going up and down inside of here, right on the crank. This thing has to be at the right spot in order to fire during that compression stroke. If it's not, you're going to lose power or you're going to gain too much power and it could run poor, really poorly, won't idle correctly. I have so the only thing to do, the only way to fix that is to go get a new, a new key, a new flywheel key and put it back in there and take it back to normal and then even just file just a smidge down. Good to know. Um, yeah, I know Gary says a lot of saws he doesn't even mess with the time in advance. Yeah, because they're a lot of saws don't need hard. it. So, um, you know, like a three sixty one already has a really hot timing, and so it doesn't it doesn't perform well with the timing advance. Um, you know, some some saws like a six sixty love a timing advance. Oh, the flywheel, I didn't realize that on the 201. You can actually, you can actually turn it back a hair and just tighten down your, your flywheel nut and you might be able to fix that choleric. Hopefully but, I'm saying that name right. Yeah, probably. Or choleric or. Uh, uh, Weston Cornell says he has a 385 that blows gas. Blows gas back out of the carb and soaks the air filter. He's taking it to the dealer to be fixed twice. Any thoughts on what it might be? It could be a timing issue. It could be, it could be, you know, um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, it could be that the, that the piston is worn down just enough that it's changing the timing of, of when that gas is coming into the chamber and it's, kicking it back in it could be that the if the exhaust is modified it could be that the um, exhaust is opened up too much i mean there's all kinds of different issues yeah what does it yeah. mean when it's all four cycles yeah so so what happens on your saw is and this is going to be a simple way to explain it you've got your your exhaust side here when that when that piston moves up, 
and it forms compression, right? Air is going to go from high pressure to low pressure. I'm sorry, from high pressure to low pressure. So what's going to happen is, is that that air is going to be pushed back out, 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 out into the exhaust. And then, I don't know if you, you can't see it here, but gas and, and fuel, air fuel mixture are going to be coming into this chamber. And so as this goes back up and the, uh, the transfers open up, you're actually going to lose some of your some of your charge out into the muffler. And so as that charge goes out into the muffler and comes back in, it's called scavenging. And what happens then is you get a flutter, right? And so that four cycle is that there's, there's unburnt fuel. If you don't have your, your unburnt fuel is what is going to, is what's going to lubricate the inside of that, chamber right if you don't have any unburnt fuel there's no lubrication if there's no lubrication that means that you're going to score the cylinder because it's going to get too hot the oil is there to lubricate the gas is there to cool so what you want is you want that to be tuned so that it's for cycling just a little bit so it gurgles a little bit. So when you hold that throttle in, instead of going wee, you know, you want it, you want it here, you go wee, you know, and gurgle a little bit at the end of that, but then clean up. What I mean by clean up is that it goes away. And basically you're, you're at a period of high torque in the wood. And so it's using all of that fuel or not all of it, but it's using it. Yeah, it's under load. And, and again, I always have to say that I'm not the expert like Gary. I just know enough to be dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean, man. I'm there too. Uh, could the feel be a problem for the air leak? How could you diagnose that? Low compression? Question mark. Um, yeah, crank seals could be a problem for the air leak. Uh, so what you could do and remind me what saw is this on again? Uh, 200 T. Um, what you can do is you can saws, take, there's a couple of saws. Mix. Um, that's his, he's talking about the Husqvarna 41. Yeah. It's so this is your starving. this is your poor man's leak checker right here. Brake cleaner fluid. All right. So what you can do is you can open up the top of your saw, take the top cover off. Take your air filter off. Start up the start up the saw. Take your brake cleaner. Spray a little bit of it in and around the boot if the saw stops running you got a leak in your boot because <laughs> it sucked in carb cleaner have the saw running on the clutch side spray in behind your clutch if it stops running you got a crank seal out on your clutch side if you go through everything you can spray you can spray along the case seals 
right? You can spray along here. If you, you just go until you find a leak, until it stops, until it changes how it's running. Um, another way to diagnose a crank seal is to run the saw and then turn it on its side. If it changes RPMs, you got a crank seal that's out. So that's why a lot of guys say, why is my 200T, when I turn it on its side, why does it die? It's got a bad crank seal. Because okay. it's, you know, that means that on the flywheel side, it's opening up. Well, or the opposite side, it's opening up. Yeah. If it changes when you go to that side, you know, because pressure was would be pushing the crank seal back down, and so it would change RPMs. But this is your handy dandy cheap dollar ninety nine leak checker. Nice. Yeah. These are the these are the tips that you get from the old wise seasoned guys. <laughs> not I'm not saying that I'm that person. I'm saying that's where I got it from. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a good one, man. All right. Well, uh, I think we answered pretty much all the questions that have come up. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the other questions that we had on our list is: Should Zach sell his three ninety five and get a and get a six sixty one or a six sixty? Uh, I mean, I know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was think, I think, thinking about selling my 395 for no other reason than I like to I like to change things up. Uh, a 661 or a 660 from Lucas, a, a fully built one. No, I'm not getting an 881, dude, because I like back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Is that, is that like a measuring contest if you get the 881? I, uh, yeah, I mean, they're great milling saws. I don't really see – I don't have any reason for – for an 88 uh but but yeah man no i the 395 90cc salt glass 395 i just want to switch it up get a steel yeah. um, i think so yeah does i prefer square grind over conventional uh i don't know how to answer that i do like square grind it cut it cuts really fast it's smooth Right now, it's new to me, so it's been a lot of fun to do. But here, when it starts to get really busy, I got two really nice Tecumec. And, uh, it's just a lot easier to keep up with chains with the machines. So, yeah. yeah. For now, it's been fun. It cuts really nice. Um, but eventually, the novelty of it's going to wear off. It's me. I think that every tool has a use and every every style has a use it's just yeah. like you know what what type of a cut are you going to use in the tree well it depends on the way the tree is needs to be read right yeah i mean the square the square does seem to last a lot longer like i use it all day today in like dirty nasty crap and it's still really sharp so I've definitely been impressed with that part of it. And from that end, it does save me a time that I'm not sharpening so often. But because I have grinders, I'm taking the time to hand file, and that's not something that I'm really used to doing. So, 
Which yeah. square file do you recommend? I wouldn't mind running a few chains to learn. Uh, if you're trying to learn the square file, definitely get a triangle. It's way, way, way easier to learn with that. Um, you know, if I everybody says it's so hard, and I didn't really think it was hard, but I think that if I had tried to learn with a double bevel file, that I would not have enjoyed it so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's good cool. videos on it, too. Guilty of Treason, if you guys know him, Jake Rogers, he has a, a great video with his uh, co-worker, Inbred Jed, on square filing. Yeah. Honestly, how I was I watched that video. Yeah. Uh, really, really redneck way of sharpening a chain. Super easy with stuff that everybody has laying around in a triangle file. Yeah, Jake does a good job with his videos. He's he's very informative, and he, he talks really well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That that was a good one. Buck and Billy Ray, he has good videos on square filing. He uses a double bevel file. Um little unorthodox take on it, maybe, to what to what they teach you. Um but yeah, you definitely get some good tips from that too. Yeah. So another topic that we wanted to talk about today was theme saws. Yeah, dude. And you brought that up a little bit, so maybe you should ask the questions to me, and I'll answer what you want to know about them. All right. Um. Well, I guess my first question would be, Cerakote. Like, what exactly is that? Like powder coating? Is it yeah the plastics? Like, what exactly? So, when you well, look at your give me the layman give me the layman's explanation here. Because so when you look at your case, right. Everything that's on the case of the saw, the magnesium, the hard stuff, that's all powder coat. Okay. So what happens is, is that they spray that on on a powder, and then they put it inside of a giant oven, and they bake it. Yeah. I'm they bake it at, like, 270 degrees or something. Whatever it is, yeah. Whatever it is. That powder coat, then, is a really hard enamel on that saw that, that it's really tough to scratch or to, to affect the, the coating on it. But you can't put you can't put powder coat on plastic because plastic's gonna melt at like two hundred and twenty degrees. That would be a shame. That <laughs> would be a, yeah, a real shame. So what you do is we actually cerakote, which is a ceramic coating, that sprays on just like powder coat, but it bake, gets baked on at one hundred and seventy degrees. So we actually put Cerakote on these plastics, which is as thin as a human hair, so it doesn't actually change any of your tolerances. Nice, yeah. And they use that on guns, so, right? When people get guns customized, yeah. that's Cerakote. Yeah, it's Cerakote that they use on guns. And it, so it's got to be pretty durable. It's super durable, and so that's one thing is that you'll be able to, instead of having dirt and and sap and everything that sticks to your saws. With Cerakote, you'll be able to just wipe them right off. Nice. A little bit of a degreaser and just wipe them off. And they won't fade either. So one of these theme saws, I'm sure everybody's kind of thinking the same thing that I was thinking when I first started seeing them. You spend a lot of money. and Oh, yeah. I rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of time. I and mean, people got to think, like, you got to strip the saw. Yeah. You got to clean it, send it off to all these different people. And then you got to be able to make your money yet in the end. So, yeah nobody wants to spend that kind of money on a saw and then just like six months later it's like you know looks like one of these guys that spray paints their plastics 
Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem is that you hydro dip or you paint or you try, you know, even dye, dye fades over time. All right. So that's one thing that we're trying to trying to prevent is the fade and, the, you know, the color degradation. And honestly, this is just something that I came up with with a with a uh, color coding guy that we just decided, let's try it and see how it works. And it's been it's been phenomenal. Yeah, it makes a lot. It's been awesome. That's what people are doing with guns. I mean, no, honestly, like what a chainsaw goes through on a daily basis isn't that dissimilar from what a gun goes through. There's a lot of exactly. a lot of movement, a lot of, you know, in and out of holsters. We're like hanging it on our saddle. It's banging against trees. We're climbing through stuff, running them. They get hot. They get cold. They get dirty, yep. greasy. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So we're, you know, it, it costs about, you know, five to $600 just to color a saw. And if somebody sends me a saw, I had two people ask me today, you know, what's it going to cost if I send you a 200 T or a 201 or anything like that? Well, we have to disassemble that saw all the way down to the crank. So we have to split the cases and then clean it. And then we have to color it. So it's, you know, it's a, two to three hour process to disassemble then it gets colored then it gets reassembled so another two to three hours you know so you're racking up four to five six hours just in labor plus then the coloring process on top of that so it's yeah. you know it's it's not cheap but man these saws are they're amazing yeah dude every one of them that you put out so far it is freaking sick and i if you guys anybody in this group there's, there's eight people left man what are we Put you, we're not that boring. Oh, it's just went up to 10. Uh, <laughs> I got a 261 that one of my contractors just straight gave me because his former contract climber said it was too heavy and dropped it out of a tree. Um, that's what actually happened. So, um, yeah, I acquired this 261. I believe it runs. I don't know if you tried to start it or not, but from what I, I haven't started it yet. Yeah, they say it runs. Um, I sent that to Lucas. And it's going to become a, a theme saw. I don't know if I want to say what the theme is because I don't want anyone trying to kind trying to copy it. Get up on my ideas, yeah. But it's going to be sick. It's going to be sick. And then it's going to Gary to get poured it out, and it's it's going to be a fun little saw to run. Yeah, we've got a surprise project that's coming up. Well, if I'm if you guys are noticing, I'm walking inside right now because my battery's going to die. So I got to go plug it in. But we got a a new saw that's going to be coming out here pretty soon um that's going to be wild and i promise you it's going to be wild and it's going to be something that people are going to go nuts for but it's it's all r d right now we're just waiting to see if it works uh oh my buffering you're back now all right I got to go plug this thing in before it dies. I get down to 2% and it starts to make me worry a little bit. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? My yeah. my iPad talks to me when it uh when it gets plugged in. Oh, sweet. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, you can run an automation on your on your iOS devices. So that when it when it does something and it triggers something, it'll talk to you or it'll turn things on. It it gets pretty it gets pretty wild. I 
changed my wife's phone so when she plugged it in that it said something funny <laughs> that didn't go over very well though i bet not <laughs> so bz arbor cares that he loves running into free saws yeah free saws are are the ticket man i uh yeah aren't they i'm gonna be picking up a 201 t or a 201 tc this probably tomorrow that I'm going to get for not very expensive. And uh, I think we're going to turn that into a theme saw. So I'm getting it to the, at the right price. So we do. Yeah. We're just going to have one of my builders tear it completely apart and uh, have it colored. We might do, we might do something wild with that one. Oh uh, yeah. We're going to take one of our other saws and we're actually going to turn it into a, uh, into a uh, like a chainsaw massacre type saw. That'd be sick, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got some we've got some interesting things that are are coming up. And another nice thing is that we're actually we're actually seracoding the bars, and so we should be able to put you know logos and words and all sorts of designs right onto the bars, and then those bars should hold up because you know, just like a gun, it's going to get beat and used and abused and the finish stays just as good as new. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Those theme saws are a sick idea. That's honestly what first turn. Can, can you give me a small hint on this top secret saw? I, that's your top secret saw, Lucas. Yeah, I, I can't I can't give any hints because as soon as I say one word, it's going to be like, oh, damn. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Yeah, that's another feeling. I know most are steel or husky guys, but I have an Echo 590, 620. Does anyone make mods for them like West Coast mufflers, etc.? You can get the universal ports. You can get the universal ports, but you don't want to do that on the 590 or the 620. It's actually a really easy port job. Um, so, But if you want, you can always – I mean, the best thing to do is to send it to a porter like Gary and let him port the saw. I mean, a 590 or 620, you're going to see 30 to 40%, if not better gains. I mean, it's sick. I got, it is absolutely sick. Oh, I think you're buffering again. So we got another question, 395 or 661. I'm a, I'm a 661 guy myself. I love the 661, especially a ported version. They're uh, they're fantastic saws. They really turn up nice. Yeah, we're actually busy Arbor Care. We're actually looking at buying a uh, a industrial laser, and if we do that, we're actually going to be able to laser on designs onto the bar. So we'll be able to put full logos onto the bars. That should be that should be pretty sweet. But every time I talk about that with my wife, she wants to shoot me so i don't think that i could uh i don't think that i could probably there we go Sorry about that <laughs> that's all right i, I tried to respond to a text message i got i got one of these coaches that keeps messaging me to scrimmage him on saturday and i already told him no like eight times yeah and now he messaged the other the other coach with my team and asked him because I wasn't responding to him. 
because I'm doing this and she's like trying to go behind my back. And I'm like, no, dude, the answer is still no. So busy Arbor Care, yes, I can set up automatic withdrawal from your paycheck. Not a problem. Uh -huh. <laughs> we'll figure that out. I'm a former financial advisor. They had to retire for disability reasons. So I'm, uh, I can, I can figure out your paycheck. <laughs> so what I, was, what I was saying while you were gone is that I don't know if I told you this, but I'm actually looking into a uh, industrial, a commercial laser cutter. You did. Yeah, yeah you did tell so, me about that. That's sick. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, but the problem is that it's going to cost me like eleven to $14,000 to buy one. Thanks, shit. So. So I'm going to need I'm going to need all of you, especially the people that are left on here. Every one of you needs to send me a bar at that point. <laughs> yeah. So I can so I can engrave your logos on. There and for also, you. every one of you, we're going to need the uh, information for your paychecks to set up. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, I have a good relationship with EFT. <laughs> all right. Sweet, dude. Yeah. So that's. That's that's a top secret idea that's not so top secret anymore. <laughs> well, hey, dude. Um, if we don't have a whole lot more questions here, I don't think uh, we do. My phone. I my phone. These guys are gonna kill me with this freaking scrimmage. <laughs> well, that's fine, dude. I can. Uh, I'll see if there's any more questions, and I'll take care of them, and we'll uh, we'll have to set up another time to do this again. Yeah, dude. This has been fun. I get paid under the table. Yeah. You know what? Cash is just as good as money, Weston. Yeah, dude. Cash money, son. <laughs> Cash rules everything around me, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, no problem. I'll, you know, you want a custom saw, we'll drive to you to pick up that cash. No problem. <laughs> All right. Well, you better, you better uh, go take care of your baseball stuff. Yeah, dude. Thanks, everybody, for, for joining us. It was, it was a lot of lot of fun if there's something that uh that we didn't get to cover today that you have questions on just send me a dm send uh send zigzag a, a dm he'll take care of the questions too so all right guys peace out man yeah. see you man later echo 501p this is a uh, custom-built saw.